five, four, three, two, one. Tappers, what's up? It is the Friday edition of the Daily Tap. We have an awesome show today. I am so excited for this. We are doing an interview with Jordan Kappen, aka the Retro Daddy, aka the Saucepan Commish. Uh, we he is on the show today. Um, it is uh, about an hour long, so Jordan and I go for quite a while. Uh, we talk about the Retro Daddy. We talk about the Saucepan community and how he's grown that in his hometown of Black River Falls. And then we talk about his international playing experience in Australia and Italy and how that all got started. And a little fun thing at the end between Mitch and I that we might have to set up. So stay tuned till the very, very end uh, if you so choose. Um, it is an awesome show. I really enjoyed getting to talk with Jordan about all this stuff. I think Jordan's a fascinating cat. He uh, has been a longtime listener for us, and we've really appreciated it. And I just wanted him to tell a story. I thought he had a great story. Um, all the stuff he does with Retro Daddy, all the saucepan stuff, I knew, but I didn't like the community stuff. Like I didn't have like the full embrace of it. I kind of, looking back, feel like an idiot for one of the questions I ask. But after I understood it, I was like, "Wow, Dan, this is great!" Like it was very inspiring. I'll be honest. And some of the stories, uh, Australia, Italy, great. Like it's it's a good one. Um, I, we are gonna get to that in like a hot hot second so i'm not gonna waste a ton of time like i said it's an hour long it's friday like i know you guys want to peace out i get it i do want to just quickly i have to i wasn't going to talk about anything really at the beginning i was just going to say all right let's play the tape here he is all this stuff the field of dreams baseball game was absolutely fucking incredible i mean that was one of the most amazing games that i have ever witnessed i didn't watch all of it obviously i was taping with jordan for some of it but that finish was absolutely incredible you couldn't script it i mean what a moment for baseball what an absolute moment for baseball i'm gonna probably write about it like i, I think baseball's found their winter classic like i honestly do like i think baseball has found their winter classic i think that you can do other games with famous movies, I think you could do a major league version of this. I know County Stadium is no longer, but why not dress up American Family Field like County Stadium and have the Brewers play the Indians? Why wouldn't you do that? I'm sorry, the Guardians now. Um, they will be the Guardians in a, in a short while here. But the I, I don't know. I love it. Sandlot, why can't you have the two LA teams? I think that's based in Los Angeles. Like, Why don't you have the two LA teams playing a stadium that resembles the Sandlot and have the dirt and have the beast in the background and everything like that? Or you just go to Iowa for a while. And I think you can do Iowa for a few years because I, I would imagine you're going to do next year Cubs and Cardinals. Makes too much sense not to do Cubs and Cardinals in Iowa. Cubs have a huge fan base in Iowa because the Iowa Cubs. That to me seems like a no-brainer. I think you'll get the Twins there. Who knows if they'll play the White Sox, maybe the Brewers. It would, I'll die if the Brewers get involved with this. I think they should and I think they will um, in some capacity because the Brewers are very close. Um, so I, I do think you're going to get the Brewers. They'll have to play some big-time team. like They have to play the Mets or they'd have to play the Dodgers or something like that but sign me up like it I will put a guarantee I guaranteed about something about Dallas yesterday on the podcast if the Brewers find their way to Iowa I will be there 100 percent 
There's no way I'm missing that. That, to me, is a no-brainer baseball game. Gotta go to it. I'm not even a huge fan of the movie Field of Dreams. I, like, remember it. I watched it with my dad. My dad really likes it. Um, and so I watched it with him. It's not my one of my favorite baseball movies. I love Major League. That is my all-time favorite baseball movie. And honestly, I think it's definitely in my Mount Rushmore of sports movies. But the scene there was so good. And but what's and, and like I'm not trying to shit on baseball because this is as good as baseball has got for a long time. Baseball doesn't have a nationally televised game until September 11th, where they're doing the 20th anniversary of the 9/11. It's the 20th anniversary 9/11, and the Yankees are playing the Mets. But after that, you do not have a baseball game on Fox. So Fox has no real way to capitalize on this none like they're not gonna get any sort of residual sort of windfall from this like they don't play on saturday like they don't have um you know yankees white yankees white Sox on fox like easily could have done yankees white Sox. the dodgers are playing the mets you could have easily had a double header astros angels get otani into the mix like how do you not have a triple header going if you're fox and just nothing. There is nothing. And they have Reds Phillies on FS1. And then I think they have another game on FS1. Then the following Saturday, they, again, nothing. They don't have, oh, maybe they do. No, I don't think so. They got nothing going on next Saturday either. You have the, next Saturday, you have the Phillies playing the Padres. You have, let's see if there's any other good series going on that weekend. You have Giants Athletics. Both teams are really good. You have Mets Dodgers in L.A. Like, what are we doing, baseball? They have a double... I got... Okay, so they have a doubleheader on FS1. But still, FS1 is not Fox. Not the big Fox. Like, that... And then by the 28th, someone's wedding, you have football You have football back. Like, that's week zero. So then you're, then you're kind of screwed. It's... I don't know, man. I don't know what we're doing here. Uh, baseball... Baseball just has to figure out their broadcasting stuff. I, I think once they do... Like, it, it just should be, like, every Saturday night, you should have some sort of baseball game on. Like, it should be the game, like, how the NBA does it. Like, the NBA doesn't take any time off for their Saturday games. Right at the end of the season, they say, all right, we'll, we'll take them off. But that should, it should be, every, like, FS1, 3 o'clock game. I like that. Like, have that established. And then maybe you have FS1 as the late game, too. And then you basically have, you know, back-to-back games. ESPN's doing a lot more games because they have a ton of inventory at, bef- after the you know shortened season, but yeah, they need to just figure that out. And so hopefully the Brewers get to Iowa. I'll get done talking here because, like I said, we have an hour with Jordan Cappen. Follow him on Instagram. I shouted out a couple times, but Retro Daddy or Thirty Plus Baller, whichever one you prefer. I don't know where he lands, but I would say Retro Daddy if you had to choose on Instagram. Um, it is going to be, it's an awesome show and we're going to do more of these. We want to do more interviews. Um, it's something that I'm trying to push myself towards. Um, I think it's, can be difficult, right? To schedule and everything like that. I think it's easier with friends like Jordan. Um, but when it's, you know, big swinging dicks in the cracker factory, it, it gets a little difficult. So I'm going to try my best to have more interviews. Please let me know of people that, you think would make great guests and also too if you have a compelling story if you have something 
that is, you know, interesting that you do that is unlike others versus, you know, just you want to shoot the shit with me, which, look, I have something planned for that. I, I do, honestly. So stay tuned for that. That's a little, it's what we call a tease. There is something that'll be coming where we can kind of just shoot the shit um, that I will check in on pretty regularly. Um, so I'm, we'll save that for football. It's coming. I got a lot in the works, unfortunately, because you're getting married and things like that. I haven't been able to put my nose to the grindstone as much as I would have liked. But I, I promise you, there's more coming just stay patient. Like I said, we're going to try to do some more interviews as we get clo- closer and closer to football season. Bring in some interesting people. Talk about that. And just want to just want to hear people's stories. Jordan's story is great, man. I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, we'll see you on Monday. I, I do a close at the end of our Jordan and I's interview. So we'll, we'll talk to you Monday. Have a good one. And uh, talk then. All right, here's Jordan. And now we welcome in... Jordan Kappen, a.k.a. the Retro Daddy, a.k.a. the Saucepan Commish. How you doing today, bud? I'm good. I appreciate you having me, making my uh, first debut on the podcast. Longtime yeah. listener. So I know. I know. You're a longtime listener. I probably should add you on last week to promote the Saucepan, to get some people up to Black River Falls. Um, we'll talk about that a little later. Um, you can be found on Instagram and Facebook uh, for at the Retro Daddy, which is your basically an online thrift shop for sports memorabilia, mostly jerseys, but also hats, shirts, your occasional crew neck, um, anything else. And we'll talk a lot about that. We'll also talk about 30 plus baller, which is also on Instagram and Twitter. And that is the saucepan. And we'll talk about the recap of Saturday. And if we're going to get the hottest hoops to tournament in the winter, the fall, like where, where does this go? So we're going to get into all of that. And then also talk about Jordan's international uh, experience. He played in Australia and Italy. Uh, so we'll talk, get some stories from that and see what it was like to play overseas. Cause I think there's a lot of, I don't, I wouldn't say misconceptions, but it's, it's definitely a different world and playing over there. I'm sure there there's been a lot of, a lot of experience, but we'll start with the retro daddy and the thrift shop experience. And I guess, how did it start? Like walk me through like your idea of it and like how you, the name is incredible. I mean, that to me is one of the best names, like talk about, I should have hired you when I was like, snow tap WI, like that, that just didn't work like that. You, you had to figure it out all the way. So walk me through like how that all started. Yeah, so it kind of comes first circle. It was when I was uh, playing overseas. There was a there's a guy called Mr. Throwback. I think it's Mr. Throwback NYC, and he, uh, you know, I was following him on Instagram. And he was just constantly posting all these throwback jerseys, like authentics, game worns, and you know, for me, it was like I kept getting super nostalgic. So it started with that, and then you know, just for the longest time, I had it in the back of my head, like, Oh, I'd love to start one of those. But, you know, when I, when I had the thoughts, like, I don't want to start something that I don't know if I can follow through with. So it just took me forever to, to do it. And I knew I had the inventory to start it. So it was, you know, it just took a while. And then when the pandemic hit, 
it was like, okay, I'm going to do this more, you know, more and more stuff was popping up. Vin- vintage is in right now. Like there's so many vintage shops popping up. So I tried to really specialize in the, you know, vintage uh, sportswear. And originally it was jerseys. And then now I've, you know, went to t-shirts, the crew necks are big uh, hats. And then I've also tried to, you know, ingrain myself into being that vintage Milwaukee Bucks guy. But yes, and then the name it came literally when the night before I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm walking around my parents' house, gathering some of the old inventory that I I was willing to get rid of, and I was just like, man, what what could I do? Because I can't, I don't want to be a knockoff of everybody. Like you know, everybody. There's so many like vintage Milwaukee, vintage MKE. It's yeah. like, nah, that's too that's too you know basic. So then I was like, oh, I can't do like throwback because that's who I was inspired by so I'm like the retro I'm like retro something that just hit me I'm like retro daddy so it, it makes people feel a little like weird right away you know hearing daddy but it's like it's catchy so it's something different and people people seem to like it yeah no I think it's a great name and I you've obviously had some great success I think your point of like following through you obviously mm-hmm. have done it you know you've grown grown this page you consist, you have, it seems like if you follow you on your stories, you have like your regulars, guys who are shopping you, you know, on a, I don't know, would you say a monthly basis, like a weekly basis? Yeah. Like what, what is that sort of process like in terms of like your everyday customers? Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Like how, you know, like I said, how big the vintage world's got, but just the yeah. Jersey world, because, you know, there's, I, I have, I'd say like, three types of customers i have the like avid like just deep in the game jersey collectors you have the uh the hipsters like the college students that like the shacks the grant hills you know the old toronto raptors grizzlies and then like just people like me and you that are you know if you look at get nostalgic and like oh yeah i could get back into the jersey game where i need i want a jersey here and there and yeah, like I said, it's crazy. The, like some of the regulars I have, I have some that are buying like several week and I'm like, I don't know what you do for a living, but you're keeping me in business. Right. Absolutely. Like, what was that moment where it was like, holy shit, this is like real or like this is something that I can do pretty regularly. Was there a, like a, a sale weekend or anything like that or a, a yeah, big purchase I, you had? But I think it was just, you know, figuring out how social media works and how it works and that. So it's like almost manipulating the buyer. So, you know, I, I'll post, you know, every day being tried, you know, that's one thing I've learned is being consistent is what's going to help you. But it was, you know, like I'll do periodically, like it was when the Brewers uh, season was starting. I, and I, I pumped it up for like two weeks, like, hey, I'm going to do a Brewers drop this day, advertise it for like two weeks. So in my head, I'm like, oh, I might sell like two. I think I put like 15 things up. I might, I was like, I might sell two or three of these. And I put them up and that like 13 things were gone within like three minutes. And I was like, wow. I was like, okay. <laughs> I think it was just, you know, people were like set that money aside. They knew, a, and I, and I knew I had to bring some good stuff. I had to bring some heat to the table. if I was right. going to do that. So yeah, you can't come, you can't come to the table without, without some fire. Yeah. You're going to be promoting it. No doubt about it. That's, that's awesome, man. Like that, that is so cool. And like, in terms of the vintage stuff locally, Packers, Brewers, Bucks, like 
what is the easiest and then like what's kind of the hardest there in terms yeah, of finding so, like it's like anything it's all trends you know so like i said when the brewer season was starting brewers brewer stuff was going to fly off the rack and then like buck stuff has been going pretty steady all you know season but right when the you know the further we got in the playoffs and especially finals week it was just stuff was just constantly going you know flying for me like people from all over were buying but i mean really it's it's the rare stuff so like I've, i've told you this before the packers stuff doesn't sell that well because there's so much of it out there because the packers were good in the 90s you know one of the best teams the Bucks were terrible in the nineties. So there wasn't that much stuff out there and there's not that much stuff out there anymore. So it's hard to find, you know, nineties, uh, buck stuff, a little easier on the brewers, but like that, like mid nineties is, is harder to find the Robin Yount nineties is easy, but that mid nineties, John Jaha, the, yeah, that era is hard to the find. Greg Vaughn era, the, yeah. uh, the Jeffrey Hammonds era, like you're not finding the M and the yeah. B. Yeah. Okay. Right after the pinstripes is, is the hard stuff. And that's what people want. So that's interesting because I'll be honest, like I think that logo is garbage. Like I do not like that logo at no. all. Like I, not to hate on the people who are buying it. I mean, God bless them. I'm, they're keeping you in business, but I'm not a fan. It, out of all the Brewer logos, the Barrelman actually is the worst. I think the Barrelman is the creepiest. Um, and I guess this could segue locally or just nationally. Are there any like jerseys that you look at and you're like, God, this is ugly. like this is ugly. Like, I yeah. how how does somebody buy this and like how do they buy it quickly? Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. See, for me, like people ask me that stuff a lot. You know, people go so crazy over that 1996 uh, big buck logo jersey. Oh the, yeah, uh, green with a big buck, and they only wore it for like two and a half years, and people go so crazy over that. And, and me, I always say that's overrated. Like I'm not a fan of that Jersey at all. I'd rather have the clean look, but you know, that there was that time period, like the Hawks and Grizzlies Raptors, they all went with that giant logo and people love that. For me, I'm not, I'm not a giant logo guy. And that bucks when you just see too much and you see too many reprints of it. So people go crazy. So if I know I can get it, I'll get and sell it, but I, I don't really collect it myself. Yeah, the logo, the logo sort of thing, that style was it was kind of a wild one. I remember mm-hmm. I was a big North Carolina fan growing up as a kid. I had a Joseph Forte 40. Oh, yeah. Remember Joe Forte? With just the NC? Yeah, just the no, big I, logo no, no, or no. North I, had, Carolina? I had the North Carolina okay. script. The, so the good North one. on top. Yeah, the yep. good one. Right. And that's yeah. what I was going to say. Like, I hated when they went to just the oh, yeah. NC. It sucked. Like, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, this is like the best Jersey. Like I think North Carolina Mm -hmm. blue, like out of the water. One of the, like, if you want Mount Rushmore of jerseys, Jersey shorts, Jersey pants, like it's amazing. Like the color's great. Their football jerseys actually look really good too. Mm -hmm. And so it's, um, you know, and so, yeah, when they went to that, I'm like, why are you ruining a good thing? Like, just don't fuck around with it. And but teams do it all the time. You see, you know, the Packers are releasing their uh, retro jersey, I think, next next Thursday. So the 19th, they're going to be unveiling their jersey, which we don't know mm-hmm. what it's going to be. Now, they've relaxed some of the helmet rules in the NFL. And, and so it'll be interesting to see what their concept is going to be. And also, you know, 
it'll be interesting to see too. Do the Bucks throw it back? Do they bring back like a seventy-one jersey now that they won a championship? Are they going to do something like that? Um, but yeah, it's the jersey sort of era, like where we are right now with jerseys. Like to kind of bring it forward to now, mm-hmm. it's. Do you feel like in ten years, like what do you think will be the like trend if you could like look your crystal ball? and say like, here's where jerseys are going to be in 10 years. Like what, if you're still doing this, like what are you going to yeah. be selling a lot of? Well, I think, you know, for current jerseys, I think it's going to be the same people. Teams are just going to constantly coming out with different alternates just to sell them. But I right. thought I thought about that too, before mm-hmm. starting this, I'm like, what's going to happen if this trend stops? But I, I don't see it ever stopping because it doesn't matter how old you are. You're always going to be nostalgic. So like for us, we're into the nineties. 10 years from now, a lot of the customers are going to be into the early 2000s, which I'm just kind of getting into and hitting like those early 2000s jerseys. Those are big too. And, you know, eventually it's going to be the 2010 era jerseys. So I I don't ever see it stopping really just everybody, you know, everybody's nostalgic. So. Right. Like, yeah. And you brought up a great point about all the different jerseys. Like you think of all the like Nike kits, the Bucks have Mm -hmm. had. Like, and you think about some of them that are really cool. Like, I love those white and green and red ones they had. Um, I think the yellow ones they had were awful, but I could see, like, 10 years from now, like, that's kind of vintage, right? That kind of has a feel to it. Um, I like the Cream City ones. I know a lot of people didn't. Like, I really like the Cream City ones. Um, And so, like, all those. And then you think about all the LeBron jerseys throughout the Mm -hmm. years, right? Like, even then, I'm sure some of those you could probably sell. Like, yeah, I'm now. already, I'm already selling the yeah. like rookie year LeBron ones. Yeah, you know, those, those ones sell easy right now, and they're and they're still pretty easy to get a hold of if you want to give it. You know, a couple of years they won't be. And like you said, the alternates, all those Bucks alternates, that's the thing. They were only made one year, so yeah. say in ten years, there's not going to be that many of them out there. No. That's like the no. all-star jerseys. Like people love all-star jerseys and USA jerseys because they only wore them one year. So they don't, they were only made that one year. So they're hard to find now. Yeah. And just to pivot to LeBron, like if you sense that he's going to retire, are you going to try to build up your LeBron inventory? If like you yeah. get like, you got you to get like a sense. Yeah. You have to, that, right. That's, like you... it's, it's the big thing is you got to stay ahead of the trend. So like I started this right after the last dance, but if I would have been yeah. doing this for a while and knew that was coming out, like I would have tried to, you know, stock up on as much nineties bull stuff as I could. Cause even right now, nineties bull stuff is going, not just cause it was Michael Jordan, but because of the last dance. Yeah. So yeah, you, you got to stay ahead of that. Yeah, no doubt. And like, are you seeing any traction? I don't know if you you have any in, in stock right now, but there the Malice of the Palace documentary just came out. And is that hitting at any point? Or do you have any Detroit or Indiana stuff right now to be like, hey, like Yeah, I don't think I I do right now, but like Ron or Test stuff, people love those jerseys. Um man, what I lost I had Jermaine. Jermaine O'Neal yeah. there. Oh, so I like, know what I was going to say. So, yeah, those, those would all go if you haven't. But, you know, a couple of weeks ago when Kwame Brown was uh, – who was he getting into it with? Um, I don't know, but he's been in the Gilbert Arena. I think it was him and Gilbert oh, yeah. Arenas were, yeah, yeah, yeah. were beefing. And, like, for two weeks their Kwame Brown jerseys were going just because of something like that. So it doesn't even matter. If one of those old guys gets in the news, their jersey is going to go for 
for a couple of weeks. But yeah, Ron right. Artest, any Steven Jackson, Jermaine O'Neal, even yeah. Rasheed Wallace, Ben Wallace, they'd all go right now. Well, I feel like Rasheed Wallace Hawks jerseys is kind of like a holy grail, right? Because oh, yeah, it's that, like that's one everybody wants. He was there for like a day or something, like what, a week? And they yeah. and they made them. I've seen them. Yeah, you know. yeah they're out there. I think, now, uh, you, was it Mitch took a picture of someone long yeah. time ago wearing one? Yeah. Yeah, there used to be a jersey website. Oh, yeah. I do not remember the name of it. But where it would be like random jerseys yeah. all around. It was before really like jersey culture blew up and then yeah. like, had that first wave when festivals got really big, like mm-hmm. Lollapalooza, things like that. And then now it's again back. Like, I mean, I did a podcast two years ago now over like 4th of July that was really popular about how Summerfest has a Jersey problem and everybody was uh, wearing jerseys. And I've, I am the proponent and you've pushed back on me when I've said like, Hey, above 30, like it's not yeah. really a Jersey Jersey scene. Now I've, I've kind of stepped back cause I've, I've seen some stuff that I look at and I'm like, Oh, maybe. And I've told you this before, like I'm a big boy. So like, mm-hmm. I, I need that two, that 58, 52, that, that 52, that 52 is, they don't, they don't come around too often. So that to me is like, I, but it's like those, there are certain ones where I'm like, all right, I can see it. And like, you could yeah. make it work. And I think it's just a matter of, you can't maybe do everything with a Jersey. Like no. when you were 25, 26, but you still can rock them. So I, I've put down my sword on the above 30 can't wear a Jersey. Well, I think, I think uh, I went through that phase a little bit too and kept them in a closet, but now that I'm in the game selling them, it makes me want to, you know, wear them more too. And that's one of the hardest things is everything I buy, I want to keep. That's, that's the hardest part of it. So I always have that rule. If I'm going to keep something, then I got to sell something else out of the personal collection. But oh, I like that. Yeah, I, I, I got like to that. other otherwise the uh, the old lady wouldn't like it too much. And <laughs> but going to uh, that so, summer, going to that summer fest, I think the, those are those hipster you know type jersey wearing people that don't even have a clue what they're wearing. They just no. you know they just know that old Detroit Pistons, that teal or the shacks and all that. And that those are the ones I kind of have a problem. I'm like, oh, but I mean, business is business. So uh, going back to the personal, has there been anything that like, you're like, I will never sell this that you have where you're like, this is never like, do you have like a top five, a top three where you're like, I am never selling this stuff? Yeah, I don't know. I have a, you know, they call those the grill pieces, but that's another thing. People say, oh, it's a grill. It's a grill. It's like, okay, you can't, everything can't be a grill. But the one that I have that I was on the search for, even before I started doing this, I was on the search for it for like five, 10 years is uh, my Rafer Austin skip to my Lou Milwaukee Bucks authentic rookie year jersey. That's one I'll never let go. There's, I mean, there's probably only like two uh, two other ones out there, and one of them's probably worn by him. But otherwise, like another one I picked up was a uh, one I always wanted as a kid, and they were they're pretty high price, but I found them for a decent price. It's the Penny Hardaway uh, blue uh, pinstriped with the yeah. gold with a gold logo. So they only made those in 96 oh. for the 50th anniversary. So that's another thing. Like there's so many little things people in the Jersey world go crazy over. I call them Jersey snobs, but the, like the gold logo, people will go crazy. Oh, like Jersey snobs go crazy over the gold logos. Yeah. So I think they're snobs. Yeah. they're Those are awesome. And I, first of all, I had a shack. 
I don't know if it was a gold logo because I was I think it was a it was not even authentic, but I had a Shaq. Oh yeah, I had a Shaq champion blue pinstripe uh, youth jersey. I we were going to a sock hop as a family for our school, and you know sock hops you gotta like slick your hair back and like you're wearing a white tee and jeans and i basically told my parents i was like no i'm just gonna wear my shack jersey i looked like such an idiot but they 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 let me yeah they let me do it they were they were cool i i was a big jersey guy as a kid i remember one time i met my mom ruined that i was getting a dan marino jersey for a birthday because i like i liked colors more than i liked like i I that's how 90s were people like the hornets because of the colors yeah, I had a Hornets, I had a Hornets starter jacket. Like, yeah. you know, I I had I had a Herman Moore jersey because I just liked oh, the wow. blue of the of yeah the, the of there. of the Lions. Uh had a Mark Brunel Jaguars jersey. Uh I had a Grant a Hill, I had one of the Grant Hill awful uh Pistons jersey when they had that weird logo with the like t- the horse. The, the teal with a horse. See, that's one yeah, no, but for- it was gold, it, it was gold. Oh wow! See, there those ones are hard to find. Mike, yeah. the Michael Jordan gold ones, people love that. Those ones go for a lot. Yeah, you yeah, had a, you had a gem there. I know. I well, they were all like youth jerseys, and then I also yeah. I had a Co- I had a Kobe like Laker cursive script, oh, wow. and like I liked Kobe right out the gate, and then like they got too good, and I was one of those kids like I was kind of a shithead about sports where like if someone got too good, like I had trouble appreciating them and I yeah. like everybody liked them. I was off them. Like, so I really liked the Kings because I was like, I like Jay. Will, I like Weber or whatever yeah. and screw the Lakers. And I was more of a Reggie Miller, Sean Kemp guy over Jordan. And, and like, I hate that. Like I've, I talked about it when last dance was out where I was like, I wish that I appreciated, you know, Jordan more when I, when I started doing this, but yeah, no, I had, I had a collection. I think my last jersey was a Ryan Braun that my sweet mother got, but I think it was a fake. Um, and I haven't really worn. It's pretty heavy. Surprisingly, Braun, Braun still sell well for me. I, I believe uh, it's it, probably man. because he's nearing re- well retirement or retired. But yeah, like yeah, yeah I mean we've Mitch and I have joked like we want to do a Ryan Braun pub crawl. Oh, like, I've that's heard like it. one of the long. I, it's been one of the long-standing tapping the keg mm-hmm. things. So like you got me in on that one. Yeah, we can't can't just like can't just like get rid of that one. We we really can't. But yeah, so I guess where Retro Daddy goes, like, do you have like an end game where you're like, do you want to open up your own like actual shop? Do you want to yeah. like where's that sort of that like what's the final the grail of I guess Retro Daddy? Yeah, I have some ideas. So a shop would be cool, but I also at the same time, it's like it's fun doing it as a side hustle because it's my hobby too. I like the product. That's why I like doing it. And, you know, so my next steps I would say is I want to start doing shows. There's a lot of like vintage shows out there, the sneaker shows where it's like those same customers come to all those. Um, like I go to them a lot and like, I'll just, you know, what they call is picking. So I'll go pick my jerseys out there and find them. So start doing those. Another thing I've seen I thought would be cool is I see people, a few people have like made those uh, like mini buses into like a mobile shop and take them to pop-ups. Um, okay. I don't know, like, you know, when the Giannis had that MVP, they had the footlocker truck there and they were slaying shoes out of it. 
out of that bus, yeah. kind of small, short bus, something like that. I thought would be cool. That's probably far down the road if I ever get to that. Um, you, you driving the retro daddy bus would yeah. be great. I mean, yeah, that, you know, I have, I, have it painted I, up. I love it. Like, like one side retro daddy, other side saucepan. Like, yeah, you could, well, I'd you could pull make it up it work. to a saucepan. Yeah, but I yeah. Know, yeah. But yeah, if a shop came, that'd be cool just because I see it. But I'd probably, you know, I'd have someone working in there if I ever got to that. But oh, right yeah. now I'm still having fun with it. And then another thing I thought of, I'd, you know, kind of let my secret out here, but as, uh, you know, now that college athletes can be paid, I'd think it'd be cool to get like an at like a retro daddy athlete team whether it's i don't know if i yeah. pay them but like you know their ambassadors you know you can get away with a lot more stuff now so i thought you know getting a team of five high profile college athletes and then even some uh european professionals so that's my that's my big uh idea for next steps if i follow through with it yeah i mean you get patrick baldwin right going to you yeah and you know i've tried I've trained a few, you know, guys that have gone on to D1s now. So it's, oh, yeah, I have some too. contacts there. So those are my ideas. But right now it's, you know, it's small. It's just online. It's uh, having fun with it and seeing where it goes. But, you know, oh. I think I think the big thing is, you know, which I commend you for is just being consistent. Like, even if you don't see success right away, it's, you know, I, I try to post every day, whether it's, you know, something to myself or a jersey for sale so can consistency is key i've learned yeah i i agree and i've i've heard that too and i'm i'm certainly trying to do that too with instagram where it's like every day i'm trying to get something out and like i i know today like i was going to do something because if you listen to the show yesterday more for the people not you um that like you know we had the cy young stuff and i was like all right we'll do like whatever and then Woodruff got was kind of struggling got hurt he mm-hmm. didn't get hurt he just you know whatever left the game early they kind of ruined it and then I'm like oh shit I don't have anything for it I haven't done anything for today so it does get to you like you're like mm-hmm. oh I gotta like I gotta go and I gotta get something I at least gotta put something on the board right get something up there well and it's damn um, near a full-time job once you you know you start doing oh, that I but know. I know it's uh, it's, 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 it's key though no it is but yeah, no, if you, so if anyone needs jerseys, you know, bargain bin, we're taking yeah, this Thursday fr- night. Don't, bargain barn. You can't, the bargain barn, excuse me. You can't sleep. That's the one rule. You can't yep. be sleeping on the barn. And this will go up probably 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. So if you're listening to this late night, get up early, get yourself a jersey for the weekend. Summerfest is coming, even though Jordan's like, yeah, the hipsters, whatever. We understand that, but. Summerfest coming, Brewer playoff run due. So you yeah. have that. Like there are and the NFL season. So there, there are ample opportunities and every reason to to get to get a jersey. Uh, but let's transition to the saucepan. Uh so you just wrapped that up. Yeah. Had to deal with weather. Was this the first like really bad weather-related uh saucepan that you've had to deal with out of the how many years have you been doing this now five years this year was the fifth year and yeah it was the uh the first year the saucepan commissioner as in me had to make a real decision on uh you know inclement weather so yeah so let's let's give the people so what is the saucepan explain kind of the tournament and just how it kind of has grown as as it's going on 
So the saucepan is the actual basketball court in my hometown. I call it the court that raised me. It's the, you know, the court that I grew up on working on my game. It's the local park. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll tell the folk, the uh, folklore story here that it's named the saucepan because when I was growing up, I was, I'd go to the park every day and my mom would send me with hard boiled eggs and, you know, I'd, I'd crack them on the court and, you know, eat them for, you know, in between workouts and whatnot, just shooting around. And one day I got there, I cracked it and it was a real, the egg hadn't been hard boiled yet. And it started cooking right on the court. So that's where, that's where the saucepan comes from right there. But yeah, so, you know, it's always hot out there. So it's a court that raised me, but when I was in a playing in Europe and Australia, when I'd come home, I'd go up there and play and, you know, some of the locals will go up there and it just kind of was like, Hey, let me, uh, let me start a tournament here. And it started as just a local thing, just something to promote, uh, the court. Cause I was trying to get a lot of the younger kids there to come out. Hey, use this court. It's one of the nicest outdoor courts I've ever seen. So it started as that. So I called the tournament, the hottest hoops tournament and that's it. It's in my hometown, but yeah, it's been going on for uh, five years now. That's awesome. That that's great. And it's, it's one-on-one, right? And it's full court. Well, it's so for those that have uh, been around the game, I'm sure, you know, it's the traditional game we call 21 or hustle. You know what that yeah. is? Yep. But yep. the only thing different is we play full court. So ah. instead of, you know, when you get the rebound, you clear it behind a three point line. If you get to rebound a steal or block, you take it to the other hoop. So everything's a uh, fast break. So it's exhausting as heck, but I learned the game when I was in uh, Europe, I was walking down and I was, they were, these kids were playing basketball in the schoolyard and I was trying to figure out what the heck they were playing. Cause I was like, there's no passing going on. There's, you know, it's just a bunch of kids running around. I finally figured it out. They were playing full court 21. I'm like, wow, interesting. So then when I went back home and I was training, uh, living in a small town, it's hard to find, you know, good competition to play five on five. So yeah. I'm like, Hey, these high school kids that want to play with me, let's play full court 21. And then it still gets my game better when I was training because I still have, it doesn't matter who it is. I still had to score through four or five people on the court. So yeah, it's full court 21 and there's five players on the court each game and you just keep moving on each round and we get down to one champion basically king of the hill that's that's incredible um is it call your own fouls um does it get pretty physical out there in terms of in terms of like the just competition testosterone running running pretty high yeah so it's definitely physical because I'm the commissioner I'm the announcer (laughs) and the referee so but the, the players know that, you know, they're, they know they're going to have to get hit pretty hard to get a foul call. So that I, I don't usually have too many issues with that. And sometimes, you know, they'll raise their hand and be like, oh, that was on me if I missed it. So it's good that way. And I, that was one of the reasons I started this tournament too. I'm, I was thinking, okay, how can I run a tournament where I can do it as a one-man show, where I don't have to pay referees, where I don't have to have, you know, players having to find teams it's like all you gotta do is sign yourself up and then it's ultra competitive because you can only be there can only be one winner you know and that's why a lot of two reasons a lot of the players come back is because they want to crack at winning it because they get breaking rights for the for the entire year and then the other reason it's turned into where it's not just locals playing i get players coming from all over and they uh you know they look forward to seeing each other that one time of the year 
Right. Yeah. You've, you basically have built a community here yeah. in your small town, Black River Falls. And just having that sort of like every it's first first week in August. So everybody kind of puts it on their calendars. And, yeah. you know, for those who are familiar or not familiar, you know, Gus Macker used to be a huge part of summers in Wisconsin for basketball players. And because of financial stuff, because of a variety of other things they've kind of settled down like Macker weekend when we were in college was a huge deal. It was a weekend that everybody came back for. It was something that I didn't really understand, which I really wish I did. Um, Cause I only went, I was out of college, I think by then. Um, and I actually was just starting to date my fiance Morgan when I came up for it. And, but I also came up a, a time when I was in college too, but I never met, like I, it was, you you wouldn't miss it like once you got up there and you understand like how it was just a not only was it fun to watch it in the competition and from the sidelines because I'm i not that great of a basketball player I can't tell you the last time I picked up a basketball Jordan um you'd be embarrassed to know that how the last time I picked up a basketball but um it was also just a great party and it was a lot of fun and just so many characters and just always a good time so it it sounds like you've infused part of that macker sort mm -hmm. of mentality into just one day in Black River Falls yeah. is awesome. Yeah. So basically my goal is what I, you know, I have it on the banner is I say basketball with a barbecue vibe. So we try to put that all in together. And that kind of comes from, you know, when I was growing up, I was old school. I it's kind of like the retro daddy too. Why I'm why I'm interested in is, you know, I don't just love the game of basketball. I love the culture around it. And you know, I, you know, I grew up on Slam magazine. So that's what I really try to, you know, get to. And it's, you know, outdoor basketball is old school. It's, you know, it's kind of making its comeback now. So I really tried to, you know, keep that alive. But like I said, basketball, the barbecue vibe. So I, you know, I, this year for the first time ever, I had a DJ, but otherwise I have the big speaker, you know, on the tripod, blasting music. I have a, a family with a racing company that does the food tent. So you got the barbecue grilling smells out there. And then, you know, I, I always encourage like players, hey, bring your lawn chairs, some will bring a canopy and it's cool to see when that whole court is surrounded, you know, so because I'll have it's a true open tournament I'll have high school kids there playing so, so they'll, they always bring their whole families grandmas grandpas aunts uncles and they'll set it all up and then, you know, I'll have dads playing. I got college players playing some, you know, ex uh, overseas guys. So I, I always say it's a true open tournament. We take, you know, anybody, high school players, scrubs, wannabes, YMCA players, dads, kids. It's cool that we have some dads with their kids in the tournament. So that's great. It's, it's kind of uh, cool. Do, do some of those high school parents learn a few new words from, oh, yeah. from the other guys they're playing? We're like, oh, shit, I didn't, did my, they're talking to my son that way? Like, you know, all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, because I'm on the mic, so I'm always, you know, I give players props when they, when they show something nice, but I'm, I'll also roast them, too. So, you know, if they trick a layup, you know, my classic lines, I'll say, finish your breakfast. So, and that, you know, the parent, high school parents are probably like, oh, where, where do I bring my son? But eventually, you know, parents, they like their kids to be roughed up a little bit. So they, they yeah. get a kick out of it. And, you know, some of it is serious, but some of it I'm just kind of having fun with. Like, I, you know, the classic Rucker Park players go there, earn their nicknames. So yeah. I'll, you know, every year if someone, you know, impresses me or they do something foolish out there, I'll, you know, I'll give them their nickname. So like one, I had a, the oldest one in the tournament this year. He was, he was probably like 45 and he had two kids playing in it, but he kept like going for the most basic jump stop. 
and layup, basic jump stop layup. So I, I started calling him the two-foot geezer out there. So he got his nickname. <laughs> he, he came and earned his nickname. Hey, hey, that's sometimes, that's sometimes all you need. And so yeah. the guy that won, Greg, now is that his first time winning? Uh, was that his first time playing? Like what, what was Greg's story about how he got it done? Yes. So, well, first of all, it's cool because he's from Black River Falls. He actually uh, he lives in Minnesota now. He played a couple years in college, then kind of pulled that, you know, uh, not not out with the college politics and all that. Um, But yeah, so he's been uh, he's played four out of five years. I think he missed the second one. He's made the playoffs. I think every year he's came championship one time. And this was, you know, honestly, probably the best championship ever. And it, and it made for the tournament because like you said, at the beginning, we had to go indoors, which was kind of a bummer because the whole tournament surrounded around the saucepan outdoors. Yeah. But, you know, the game of 21 is, you know, you can bust. So two players went over and two players had a chance to win it. They were actually both from Milwaukee. They drove down and he just kind of co- kept coasting his way through it. And, you know, he hit a big shot, literally like probably 38 feet out and then he hit all three free throws, which we shoot from behind the three-point line to win it. So it, it was probably the most epic ending ever. And yeah, so, and we needed a new winner because I had the last two years before that was the same winner. So we, was need, we he, need, was the same winner in a championship too? No, he couldn't make it this year. Um, so it, it so, was kind of nice. So we need, we need some new blood in there taking on the championship and Man, when you, if you, I don't know if you saw the video, but when he wins, he pounds his chest and, you know, walks off the court. Yeah. Like he, he was proud about it. And, you know, he's just an, an average guy like us now. He's, you know, older, um, working and still hooping on the side for the fun. And, you know, he, me and him have been going out to the park here the last couple of weeks and he, he surprised me. I didn't think he was going to win it, but. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's awesome. Um, and is there any idea of expanding it anytime, you know, you have, obviously you're in Minneapolis now you've lived in Eau Claire, you've lived here in Milwaukee, like, or is there any idea of like, Hey, maybe bring it the saucepan vibe as like a summer tour almost. Right. Like, you know, obviously Black River Falls is the August spot, but like mm-hmm. a June destination, a July destination, do you think like that's something you could do or is it something where it's like, Hey, let's just keep, I just want this to just be a black or false thing. And that's, that's it. Cause it's, it's my hometown and I'm, I'm good with that. Yeah. So I, I get a lot of people ask me about that too. And I, and I always thought it'd be cool. You know, you have a different uh, location, you know, every week of the summer or something and all the winners, you know, from each week come and play, you know, at the end of the year, say at the saucepan. But I think right now, you know, with the retro daddy and everything, it would be too much. And it's not really what, it's not really what the tournament is built around. It's more built around that one day. Cause when I first thought about it, I was thinking like I was going to do a full court 21 tournament or league. And then at the end of the summer, we'd have like the ultimate championship, but it's a lot easier just to do as a one day. So in my head, I'm thinking what I'm going to keep doing is try to expand that day and make it bigger and bigger. Like this year had a buddy chance who Mr. Hooks and Shelves shout out. He was the uh, official sponsor. So he had his pop-up shop there. So probably just really trying to build on that basketball with a barbecue vibe and getting more vendors out there, getting more of the community, not just the players, but to come out and actually watch. And then in the morning, I do a, a free youth clinic. So I really try to treat it like a basketball festival, 
but I'm trying to revamp that just because I run a clinic in town at the first week of the summer. And so I, I'm, I have a couple ideas, whether I do like a youth full court 21 game or my big idea is I want to do a basketball drive where I get, you know, someone to donate a hundred basketballs and say, Hey, all the youth, whatever, come out, get your basketball. And that way I'm able to get, you know, they come get their basketball and then stay for their game, something like that. But ultimately it's not about, you know, growing it that way. It'd be cool, but, you know, build it up. No, that's, that, I mean, that's that awesome. Yeah. yeah, no, that's awesome. Like, you know, and, and no disrespect to Black River Falls, but there it's not, you guys don't have a ton going on in the summer, right? Like it's exactly. not. Exactly. And that, and that's why they, they really like it. Cause they like to showcase that park and yeah. the basketball court. Cause that's a, it's a beautiful park. There's youth uh, baseball, all the little league games are going on there. There's a water park there. But there's nobody. And when I was growing up, there was a three on three tournament every 4th of July there. And I looked forward like that's the one thing we looked forward to every year, you know, third through seventh grade. And then it just kind of stopped. And now so it's kind of replaced that. But yeah. No, that's awesome, man. I, I think I think that's super cool. And that's such a great way to give back to your community. And I think that especially when you're at a smaller town, you know, I'm from Wauwatosa and mm-hmm. Wauwatosa is big and there's a lot that happens in Wauwatosa. So there isn't maybe that opportunity to give back. So a little bit, I'm jealous of it, that there is like that opportunity to give back and it, it do it in a, a different way. That's just not the, Oh, I'm going to go coach the high school team. or I'm going to yeah. go, I'm going to go like, you know, have an AAU program or a traveling baseball mm-hmm. team, right? Like it's a lot different. And I, I think it's, it's unique. And honestly, mm-hmm. like it's a model that other small state cities here in Wisconsin or elsewhere could follow, especially Midwestern cities where you only have a few months of the year before then mm-hmm. it gets cold. Like, like today I am getting set up, like it's getting dark before eight o'clock now. Like It's Mm -hmm. not, you know, summer's winding down, unfortunately. And I think that that's something that is a inspiring and B like, I I wish you the best. I got to get up there. I I know I've talked to you about this. I talked to you drunk about this, I think two years ago. Um, But no, we got to, Mitch and I have to just find our way up there. Got to just broadcast live. I think we could do a lot with it. Um, And as you trying to grow it, I think that, we, I'd have to probably with all the kids, I'd probably have to rework my language a little bit, but we can figure that out. That that's okay. That, well, that, that part is all right. But maybe once the wedding craziness and everything else settles down, um, there will be a time where we get up there for, for the saucepan and if it, it all works out. So definitely we'll try. Well, to wrap up, this has been great, man. Uh, you know, our, the international, you mentioned it a couple of times, you mentioned that's kind of how, Full Court 21 mm-hmm. started. You played in Australia. You played in Italy. Kind of talk me through how that started. Uh, for those who are wondering, Jordan played in, in college at Eau Claire, but you took a little bit of a layoff before you got into international basketball. So kind of walk me through that timeline and then, you know, your experience at both and and if you had one that you preferred or – and if any – and we'll just kind of go from there. Yeah, so, yeah, you're, you're right. I kind of took the untraditional route. I – uh, you know, graduated college and got the, you know, big boy job, the, the office job, the desk job. And, you know, for a while, I just, you know, I still had an itch to play. I hadn't accepted that basketball was over yet. So 
what I did was I actually played a year of a semi-pro or minor league in uh, Illinois. And I was driving down there on the weekends playing and it was a really good league. I think it was really towards the tail end of like when minor, before minor league started going to shit. Yeah. Uh, sorry, sorry for my language there, but um, oh no, it's okay. I, I yeah, I, I guess I hear you guys on here no, enough. We're we're okay. I've said I've said it. You're you're okay. I understand yeah. if there are people listening, so I apologize for the people listening. But yeah, yeah. it's okay. Yeah, so I play. I played a year of a uh, minor league down there, and it was man, that was some of the best competition I played. I you know there I was. I, you know, coming from a D3 school, I, half the teams were probably, you know, guys like me and another half um, division one players. So I, I, not only did I get, you know, really good myself, you know, I, I, I'll say that I was a late blooming, a late bloomer, but I also, you know, met a lot of people that already played overseas that were playing in that league. But then my next step from there was, okay, what's next? Cause I knew at the time was like, okay, I'm trying to get overseas. That's what I want to do. Um, so I, I came up to the twin cities and I was playing in the Howard Pulley pro-am and on my team was all the Minnesota Gophers, um, just some names like Trevor and Blockway. If I don't know if you remember the Holland boys, um, Royce white was playing on the, uh, I didn't, he didn't play on my team, but he was playing there the year he got drafted by the Rockets. Um, I, the point guard on my team was from Ohio state. And what I didn't really realize was there were scouts in the crowd there because it was all, you know, division one players, all overseas guys. And they made it really easy for me. All I had to do was sprint the floor, catch, shoot, sprint the floor, you know, take one dribble shoot. So they I put it on those players, you know, they, they were able to, you know, make me look pretty good because I didn't have to do a whole lot. You know, those players were all catching the lobs. And so it kind of took off from there. I met an agent in the stands he started helping me out. And, you know, by that, I think it was November, I, he found a job for me in Australia. So went to Australia, played, and then um, that season wrapped up and I ended up in uh, Italy the next season. So the agent part of this, like, is that sort of surreal for you or you're like, so you come into this thing and you don't even know that scouts are there. Like you're just, you're just there to hoop. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's your personality. I think it comes through when we were talking about the saucepan, like you were just really going for basketball with, mm-hmm. with a little bit, maybe not a barbecue vibe, but there's just a, you're just playing hoops. Like, yeah. and yeah, there were, there were some big name guys, you know, I famously remembered I, how I remember Trevor and Bakway was I watched him his senior year of high school and he dunked over a guy that at Tosa West, like legit, one of the best dunks I've, I've seen. It's not the best dunk all time in terms of in-person, not mm-hmm. like a professional was Jerry Smith catching a lob again in Tosa East Tosa West game. And I swear to you that Jerry Smith was flying. It was, uh, it was an incredible dunk, but but yeah, and so you're meeting, you see this agent, I, it has to go through your head. You're like, holy man, this, like, how, how did this happen? And I guess I'm going to Australia, which is an amazing country. I mean, it's a total culture shift. It's mm-hmm. so far ahead in terms of time zones and all that. But it, it's not like you're, they're not like, hey, we're wanting you to play in Albania. No disrespect <laughs> to our Albanians in the crowd, but like, you're going to like Australia. Like that mm-hmm. had to be like so surreal. Yeah. So when I started playing in that uh, pro-am, it was, you know, I knew my goal was to get overseas. So ultimately it was for film. 
Cause that's yeah. all it, it's like, you know, cause you know, for me, I was a late bloomer. College stats weren't the best. Didn't have that. I had a college highlight table, but it wasn't much. So I knew I needed to show what I could do now. And that's the good thing about, you know, the scouts and overseas it's they, they really, you know, ultimately don't care what you've done. They want to know what you can do now. So I went there, you know, to play in a high level league somewhere that was close enough for me to drive to and get some film. So I start going and I, you know, start performing. So it's like anything, you know, if you show wherever you you're playing that you can play, people are going to respect you. So some of those guys on my team that already played overseas, they had, you know, put the word in for me, introduced me all that. And yeah, that's kind of where it took off. And then, yeah, when I ended up in Australia, it was, you know, surreal. It's like, wow, I'm a, once I, it didn't really hit me until I got on that plane. I was like, dang, I got 18 hours in front of me. It was like an 18, 19 hour flight. Yeah, it's I, a crazy flight. I, you know, I ate breakfast twice on that flight. And then, you know, getting there, the biggest thing is, is, you know, they expect you, the overseas is, you know, like you said, misconceptions, all this stuff. It's like, they want you to get off that plane, go right to practice. It's like, I had the worst practice of my life. I'm like, I just got off an 18 hour plane, you know? That's, but, yeah, it's crazy. Um, did you, I don't know if you've ever read it. I recommend it for the people. I didn't read the whole book, but Paul Shirley who mm-hmm. played overseas about where's my Jersey and has all these overseas experiences and talks about a lot of the trials and tribulations. Is that kind of true in terms of like, was there times where like the paycheck might be late or your Jersey might not be washed or like, did that, that happen? Were there any like bad experiences or were it mostly positive? So I was pretty lucky as far as pay goes, I always got paid on time, but I had, other Americans I knew over there that weren't getting paid because Americans stay close when they're over there. Like what, like oh, once yeah. you learn the Americans in your, and you don't hang out with them all the time, but you're in the same league. So everybody adds each other on IG and Facebook yeah. and you talk and it's, you know, I knew some people in our league that, you know, didn't always get paid right away, but I, I was lucky. I got, you know, my paychecks were always on time, but you know, one thing with our, our arena in Australia was uh, our stadium, they call it was there was a, bar right underneath the basket so you know anytime like players were shooting free throws and stuff from the other team you know this bar was literally like 10 15 feet from the from underneath the hoop and all these guys the bar stools and everybody's tuned up in there and like it i mean in overseas anything goes you know you can do like especially fireworks like yeah i got some story in europe when once we get to italy more, more there was yeah. even more stuff but yeah Australia you know as far as the gameplay was kind of going everything Australia was going back in time the gameplay was real half court team had like 100 different sets mm-hmm. my teammates after games would walk out of the locker room barefoot and jump in their car it was just every everything was going back in time there so I'll ask you for an Australia story but really quick since you mentioned the, the style of play is that why you think like everybody kind of dogged on the mellow ball? I know he obviously the family stuff, but people were like, this guy sucked in Australia. He really didn't play that well. Like, why would you draft him? And looking back on it, you know, LaMelo probably should have got drafted over James Wiseman. He maybe should have got drafted over Anthony Edwards. I mean, Anthony Edwards, good player as a bucket, but that's kind of all he is. He's not, he needs to mm-hmm. do more. Now he's a young guy. He grow but do you feel like playing in Australia hurt LaMelo Ball? And I'm convinced on that same topic, like Josh Giddy, who just got drafted higher, like really unexpected. Do you think Oklahoma City kind of was like, all right, we're going to ignore that he's playing Australian basketball. We just think he's, he's a really talented player. 
and he's going to kind of grow into that role. Well, I think first of all, people they're they don't they don't know the talent level there, the skill level. They don't know who these players are playing against. They don't ever get to see him. It doesn't matter how skilled these players are. Like Lamelo Ball, he was 17, 18 years old. He's playing against professionals, grown men. So he's playing against guys in their like 28, 30. It doesn't, yeah, he's more skilled than them, but these other guys are bigger and stronger than them. So they're playing like the, the level he was playing is probably better than a division one, you know, conference. So pe- people don't realize that. And funny, you know, Strangely enough, when I finished my season in Australia, I had a, a workout with his team, the Illawarra Hawks. Oh yeah, they they invited me to come work out. Obviously, didn't didn't go back and sign with them, but they had invited me to a a workout with them. But yeah, people just don't understand the level of play over there, how well players actually are. It's just because they're not you know ultra athletic. The thing over any country is they don't have the high flying ultra athletic players, but all those players are like so much more skilled and they make up for it with their footwork and fundamentals. So before we go to Italy, what was, what like your Australian story? Like what's one of your favorite things that like happened to you? Like craziest thing you can go take this in any which way, just like your all time, like Aussie story, man, Aussie, I got more in Italy, but Aussie, okay, I, we can go to, we can go to Italy. It's fine. Literally, like, literally it's probably just that, uh, you know, the, the bars, the tavern that was literally in the, in the arena, right underneath the hoop. That's and, crazy. And, and those, and those were typical in the, in the, those uh, gyms. Oh, so this wasn't just your, this wasn't yeah, just you your see, stadium. This was like every in other places. Yeah. Would but you like- I, I got, I got a story for you. So um, I didn't realize this right away, but Ben Simmons dad played for the club that I played for. And, oh, you know, no over, over there, it's, uh, it's like soccer or AU here. Everything is club-based. So you got the youth teams lean up. So Ben Simmons played for the youth, you know, club for the team that I played for when his dad was playing. And I actually lived in the same house that his dad lived in. And there was baby pictures of Ben Simmons on the, uh, on the wall. And Ben Simmons came, LSU came over there when we were there on wow. the tour. Yeah. So it's kind of, kind of, uh, you know comes full circle is totally and man that was when ben Simmons was like lebron and all that when he was oh yeah yeah before the before, next big thing yeah now ben's just making sure it's known that he's in the gym right now and he's yeah. working on his game he just wants people to know like hey i'm serious about this i'm actually gonna yeah i don't know where ben Simmons goes that's a, a great unknown um so you you go to italy and mm-hmm. And that, I I think that that to me, from what I know and from talking to you, like that was like this awesome experience. And like, how, how did you decide like, Hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to leave Australia. I'm going to go to Italy. Was there, were there other options on the table where you could have played somewhere else? Or was it always kind of like, it it was just Italy was, was the spot for you. Well, yeah. So I had, uh, I'd been invited back by Australia, but I also knew it was like the whole overseas thing. It's like, you got to get to Europe. You got to get to Europe. And I didn't know when I was going to finish playing all that. Cause that's where you can really, you know, move up. And it was like, why not get a new experience if I can? So I got to Europe and, you know, I love, like I told you, I loved it just cause it was, Australia wasn't as big of a culture change as far, you know, outside of basketball. Italy, huge culture change for me. I enjoyed it. It was, you know, something new. And I was in Southern Italy. So it's like everything there is like 
authentic, like the food, yeah. not, nothing's Americanized. And I was lucky, you know, I didn't live like a tourist over there. I, I lived like one of them. I had people looking after me and, you know, the basketball there was so serious. It's like, you know, soccer over there, it's life or death. Everything's about sponsorship. So it's like, when I went to Italy is like, when I really like, is like, okay, I enjoy, like really started to enjoy basketball again. Cause you know, everybody goes through that stuff in college, like college, college basketball doesn't seem to go everybody's way. Like almost everybody I talked to is like, Oh, my college coach, my, my college team, like that never goes their way. It seems like. So when Italy, it was like refreshing and I was in a good situation just really enjoyed it. I mean, Italy is a romantic country. Like people talk mm-hmm. about falling in love in Italy. People talk about the, just the, the, it's a romance language. And like, in a weird way, like you said, you fell in love back, like the, the romance of basketball, it sparked that again for you. And like, it's kind of carried you to now mm-hmm. to where we are today. And like, that's so cool that that sort of, that did that for you. And them taking it so seriously is that just uh can't be because of like michael jordan or because of just they wanted something else other than soccer they obviously take soccer seriously mm-hmm. they just won the euro um it's a very important series you know right there with the premier league and, and uh, the bundesliga and la liga so they i mean they're serious about soccer but like how did basketball kind of become their like second sport I think it's just, I, I don't know what it was, but ba- like basketball in all these European countries just keeps growing and getting bigger yeah. and bigger. And you see it in the Olympics, they're catching up to us. But, you know, as far as for me, it was, I think the older you get, you see the end of the road coming and it's like, you appreciate it more. So I like, that's the most competitive I've ever played. You know, they, they bring Americans over there to score their 20 points a game and all that. But you know, really for me, it, it was, I've never wanted to win more than that year when I was playing there, just because I think, you know, I knew I only had so many years left of playing. And so I was, you know, and I had some other teammates on my team that were kind of my age, local or uh, Italians, and they were in the same boat. I was like, man, they just wanted to win so bad. And, you know, my, my club did a good job of doing all the, you know, team outings and all that. And it was, I mean, it was, like an NBA team you have, we had 18 year olds on our team. We had people almost 40 on our team. That's, that's awesome. And you won a three point contest there. Like, let's not forget, like you, yeah. you won a three point. So what was the competition? Was, was it close? Was it like, have you ever participated in a three point competition or was this your first time and you, you're a one and done three point competition winner? Yeah. So that's what kind of leads into the romantic part. You said, um, let me think back here, but yeah, I had never done a three point shootout. It was at all-star weekend. So I've, first of all, I was, uh, elected or voted into participate in the all-star game and how they do the three point shootout is all the preliminary rounds are before the game. So I did that. I made it through all of those shot the heck out of the ball. I don't know how I'd, I mean, spend a lot of time on it. Spent a lot of time on my jump shot, but the three-point shootout is actually takes some um, some skill. Um, you know, a lot of players will run around to the right side of the rack. I would just run straight to the left side, you know, so that was one thing I didn't waste time on. And then the other one, I just, you know, shot it like a set shot. I, I didn't shoot get off the ground much but yeah I was feeling it so I made it to the finals it got down to two of us and man there was like 15 16 people in this I think so there's a lot of wow. 
that's 16th. more than like that yeah. yeah like that i mean that's all huge yeah so you could you got to go through i think it was a good you know three rounds i made it through to get to the finals so it gets down to me and this guy we're in the finals but the finals are at halftime of the all-star game so i'm like man i still got to play this all-star game but at that point the all-star game to me didn't mean a whole lot i'm i was like i'm gonna coast through this first half and win this shootout because i i'm like if i go too hard i know i'm not gonna have my legs at halftime and i actually hit three threes in the first half but i i honestly i was only running three-point line to three-point line so so when i was catching i wasn't driving but yeah so i so i knew i still had my touch and then yeah halftime came you know i'd coasted and kept my legs and uh that halftime round or that finals round, I think I missed, I, I compared it to Steph Curry. He had like 30 something on it. I, I was like one less than him or something. I remember that Jeez. year. So yeah, I was feeling it and I won. It's kind of funny. I won a, uh, won like a little rack of tomatoes. They sent home with me <laughs> one, won some money too. But then I also won this uh, resort that was like an hour away from the city I was playing in. And at the time I, it's my girlfriend at the time, fiance now, Chardet. She was over there visiting for the month. So I'm like, oh, sweet, perfect. We've got the spa resort, you know, up in the hills of Italy. And, you know, I hadn't had any uh, problems with the language barrier up until then. You know, I, I had figured it out on my own. Couldn't speak it, couldn't, you know, understand it, but I got away with living. So I get this and, you know, I talk to the coach, you know, I'm saying, coach, it's all right. You know, I won this we have Monday off, right. For practice. So I'm thinking I'm going to go there Sunday, Monday, come back Tuesday night or something. And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. See, see. And come to find out he didn't understand what the heck I was saying. So we're up there, you know, enjoying ourselves. And I get a phone call as we're at the resort saying, whoa, 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 where are you at? You're not at practice, Jordan. You're not at practice, Jordan. And I was like, man, you guys told me that we had off on Monday, but yeah, that was the language barrier. They didn't understand me, what I was saying. And they were just saying, yeah, CC, but yeah. So then we had to hustle back and I was fine, but I kind of ruined it for uh Chardet, my fiance. Uh, uh, that's, that's thanks. Well, hopefully you can get back there. Hopefully yeah, like that's kind of the they... plan, like go there back there go. And, and like do that whole experience again. Like there at you that go. Resort. little, little redemption you yeah. know and you just say you have the hills of italy redemp you know our redemption, redemption is, tour yeah redemption is spelled retro daddy yeah. love it uh but man uh i really appreciate this um i really appreciate talking uh i you know I, i've known you for a long time but i learned some stuff today and I, I thought it was great and i don't know do you have any questions for me like you're i mean you're a loyal listener like do you have any any questions for me since we're we're here at here at the uh, the finish line. Ah, uh, I was thinking about this, and I was trying to kind of go through play by play. I was thinking you and Mitch need to play one on one. You know, whether it's you know during March okay. Madness, during kickoff the NBA season, or something, or have your guys's ring night during the Bucks ring night, or something i was trying to think i'm thinking mitch might have the jump shot on you but i can see you being a you know dribble into the post type of guy yeah okay so first so of give, all give, give me a little uh play by play there what what you see happening there uh, all right first of all i'd, I'd kick mitch's ass um let's just <laughs> let's just cut it right there um yes mitch has a good jumper it's what I, he's a stretch for that's how he describes himself number one i'd be worried the whole time i was gonna tear my acl so i'd have to like 
like actually like play basketball, like take myself through it, understand the jumps. Like it would have to be like, I would take it very seriously because I am terrified now that I'm going to be 33 here on Sunday. I am terrified that like, if I do anything like that athletic, like I just, it's my, something's going to crumble. And, and so that would be my number one worry, but yes, I would take Mitch into the paint every time. Like we were playing just regular 21. It would be into the paint every time I would, my move in was this, the baby hook left side. So I would, you know, just back it down left side, right hook, put it to the paint or just kind of take it up and bully him in. I had some big elbows. I definitely swing those around. I probably couldn't take Mitch off the dribble. I have an awful shot. Um, people won't see this because it's on camera, but I like, I shoot it like here. Like I bring it up. I was called Bill Cartwright back I in the day. Just going to um, say that. Yep. Yep. I was, I was at George Haas uh, basketball camp at Tosa East and they would call me Cartwright. Like, Cartwright. And, uh, but but yeah, I um, I think I could handle Mitch. It would be a hell of a matchup, though. It there would be a lot of bragging rights on the line. Like losing that would be tough. Like I remember uh, my old roommate Fant. Uh, I told him I could beat him in a, a mile race. Like I <laughs> I thought I could outrun him. Like I just thought like endurance wise, like I could. And Fant never actually took me up on this. But it's like there is like that eagle. Like to your point and your friend Greg, it's like it sets in and you're like shit. Like I want to be like. I want to all of a sudden the competitive juices come back. Like we play a Turkey bowl. I haven't been able to play because of my job last year. And I probably won't get to play this year. I wish they don't know if they're listening to it. I'm sorry guys. Uh, but I like when you are out there, like it is like on like the competitive just juices get going. And I think that's why golf is great because like some of that comes back with golf. It's not, it's not as much. And when you're getting actually okay at it, it, it starts to come back. But yeah, Mitch and I one on one would be a hell of a matchup. Um, I would just it, I, my advantage would be Mitch would try to just chuck, and if it started going in, it'd be like an outlier game with the Bucks, right? Like one of those like, oh, the, the Rockets made thirty threes and we lost tonight. Um, that would be basically what Mitch would, how Mitch would beat me. Fair, fair enough there, but I'm, I don't know. I think we need to set that one up here sometime. We can, and, yeah, and, we can talk. And- we can talk. We we get we get your big blowhorn out. We it, it's a special edition of the saucepan down in Milwaukee. I can get you a retro or a Bill Cartwright retro daddy jersey. I like it. A Cartwright jersey would be incredible. A, Bulls Sonics. I don't. He played probably some other places, but I know Bulls and Sonics were two of two of his mm-hmm. destinations. Uh, but yeah, I don't know where. What jersey would we get, Mitch? Would we get Mitch in Arvidas Sabonis? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Mitch, yeah. Who, who, the Brandon Jennings we, at the taco line will never be uh, forgotten, though. A little, little Brandon Jennings bringing it back. But, yeah, no, it, we got to set that up. I like it. I like that idea. Um, again, thank you, man. Uh, follow Jordan everywhere. Uh, Retro Daddy on Instagram, Facebook, 30-plus uh, baller on Instagram, and Twitter for the saucepan stuff. If you want to get involved with the saucepan next year, August, put it on your calendars now. We look, get it, get it going, and uh, look for those retro daddy fits. But thanks again, man, and really appreciated this. Thanks for having me, and uh, congrats on the name change, getting it done before your wedding. And I, I think know. it's, uh, I, I saw you made a point of that, and I think it's good for uh, for your brand. It, yeah, I like it. Keg. 
I like it. I I'm, I still miss the Snowtap WI game review. Like I'll I'll probably miss that for Mini Keg's a good refresher though. I like I, it. Thanks, man. I I appreciate it. I appreciate all the love and we uh, Tappers. We'll talk to you on Monday. Uh, so we'll be back on Monday with probably a lot of the preseason and who knows what else. Oh, real quick, we had this debate: preseason or summer league. What would you rather watch? I think I know your answer. Summer league, because, well, you weren't comparing preseason. If it was preseason NBA, then it's a different story. But yeah, <laughs> summer, I think summer league, you got to, you know, I'd like tonight, uh, Orlando is on with the subs guys. So you got to see the newbies. Right. All about that. Yeah. Mitch made, Mitch made some good points. I'm not going to lie to you. So, all right, man. Well, take care. Have a good one. Tabbers, we'll see you. Bye. Later.